Coming up, Bad Luck Streak and Dancing School, Red Light, Green Light, and, well, where do you keep your razor wire? All this and more as we begin our Season of the Witch, right here on Kiss the Goat. X. And I'm Cootie, and this is Kiss, Kiss the, the Goat. Goat. I am excited. I thought you said you were X. I'm I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> it's finally October, and not only is that my favorite month of the entire calendar year, but we're doing something way cool on the show for this month. That's right. We're taking the whole month and devoting it to movies about witches. Witches have always gotten a bad rap for being in league with Satan. Cavorting with the beast. Outdoor buggery. And other kinds of deviant behavior. I enjoy some deviant behavior myself. I know you do. But we're kicking this month off with my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) Dario Argento's beautiful classic from 1977, Suspiria. Yeah, he's going to fanboy throughout this whole show. Hey. (laughs) Now, look. I know this movie has some flaws. It's got some problems, but I'm not afraid to probe them. And that doesn't keep me from loving this movie. So when do you want to start probing? <laughs> oh, you'll know, Cootie. You'll know. <laughs> but we'll be back with the news right after this. Howdy, folks. Like blood, violence, freaks and nature. Then you come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. Oh, slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One... Never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please venture frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Hi, I'm Mark. 
And you know what? I'm Mike. And we're the host of the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. We are the only podcast that looks at the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski exclusively on a year-by-year basis. Every episode, we present the news surrounding the world of these two legendary filmmakers. And we also try to speak with the many people involved with the films we discuss. Speaking of films, we generally talk about three to four films per episode by reviewing and rating them. If you want to find out what those films are, visit our website at hollywoodupsidedown.wordpress. You can download our show via iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, by searching for Hollywood Upside Down. So if you're a fan of B-movies and you know you are or you wouldn't be listening to us, chances are you've seen some of the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski. So why don't you join us from episode to episode and relive some of those favorite movie moments. The moments you'll hear on the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. Honestly, the real reason we watch these films is we love watching boobs. We sure do. Lots of large, small, flappy, flap jacky. No, Mike. No, no, no. Very well endowed, boisterous, giant, jiggly boobs. Those two. Yes. returned just as we said we would and as promised it's time for satan in the news actually with our first story it's more like satan in the nude (laughs) commuters in vancouver british columbia were surprised and amused to find that during the wee hours of september 9th a person or persons unknown had erected literally a giant firehouse red statue of Satan in the downtown area in full view of the commuter train tracks. His eyes are yellow. He is flashing the sign of the evil eye with his left hand, and his penis is enormous. That's right. A giant devil statue with a hell-bent heart on. A Biel's a boner. <laughs> the city government <laughs> took down the statue just hours after it appeared. And people are pissed. They want their statue back. According to the September 11th Vancouver Sun, two separate online petitions have surfaced asking the city to return the statue to its rightful place of prominence. Some people are angry because that was a free piece of public art, a donation essentially, and the city, <clears throat> excuse me, the city refuses to use it. The city says they won't put it back though because the piece was not commissioned by the city. Uh, see, that's bullshit. I mean, what do they have against giant devil cocks? I have no idea. Well, if you think Vancouver's tight ass, stay the hell out of Oklahoma City. That's right. In Oklahoma City, a group of Satanists called Dokma of Angra Menu, I think is how that's pronounced. Sure. (laughs) Held a black mass at the Oklahoma City Civic Center the night of September 21st. The place holds 88 people. They charged 10 bucks a seat. They sold the place out. According to news reports, though, only about 40 to 50 people actually showed up to view the ritual, and those people had to fight their way through hundreds of protesters. Yep. The Cathals turned out in record numbers, not only to attend Mass that night, but to gather outside the Civic Center, reassuring the patrons and participants that Jesus does indeed love them. Now, the Satanists had to modify the actual Black Mass, of course, Uh, No public nudity. No public urination. And I'm assuming no black candles made from the rendered fat of unbaptized babies. They also have to follow the fire codes, which, well, okay, I'm okay with that. 
<laughs> well, about 88,000 people were not okay with that. Uh, that is how many people signed online petitions to keep the black mass from happening. And we all know how effective online petitions are. City government says the Satanists won't be refused permission to use the Civic Center if they choose to hold another public ritual because the Civic Center is a public building. Gotta admit, though, certain parts of this story struck us pretty funny. A black mass is supposed to be a perversion of a Catholic high mass. Participants do stuff like say the Lord's Prayer backwards, which seems to me like a great way to pass a field sobriety test. They also use an unconsecrated host in their satanic communion ritual, which, fuck, I guess that could be anything. I mean, it could be a bran muffin. Oyster crackers. Stale pretzels. Anyway, that's what's happened with the great Oklahoma City Black Mass of 2014. No demons summoned, no portals to hell opened, no naked girls pissed on. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me, but then again, I'm not a Satanist. That is, however, Satan in the news for this episode, keeping you up to date on the Prince of Darkness and his wacky minions. Moving on. Going forward. What's next? Suspiria. <gasps> Yay. Now, my love... <laughs> My love affair with this movie began long before I ever saw it. It was 1977. Best year ever. And I was but a wee lad sitting in the closest thing that we had to a grindhouse where I grew up, and it was the Showcase Cinemas in Erlanger, Kentucky. It was literally my home away from home. My grandmother took me to see movies all the time. And it was in that place that I saw The Empire Strikes Back 17 times. It was there I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark 28 times. <laughs> so a lot of my greatest childhood memories took place in that building, and it's gone now. Sad face. Aww. Closed up, possibly demolished. Tears me up. Anyway, I, who knows what the shit we were watching. I was with my grandmother, and she gave no fucks. She just, as long as it wasn't terribly <laughs> sexual or overly violent, we would go, and she would take me. So before whatever movie it was started, they showed... The greatest preview in the world. <laughs> it was a woman sitting in a chair, combing her long black hair, while someone recited this horrible nursery rhyme. Roses are red, violets are blue, but the iris is the flower that will mean the end of it. You can hide from Suspiria. Suspiria. But you cannot escape. Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. And when the woman turned around, she was a skeleton. <laughs> and they showed the title of the movie in letters that looked like pulsating, veiny, 
penis skin, followed by quick cutscenes of madness and violence, and the music in the background was absolutely terrifying, and I fucking loved it. Eight years old, and I was just gobsmacked by this preview. Couldn't wait to go. Begged everyone to take me. My parents said no. My Mm. grandmother said no. Strangers on the sidewalk outside the library said no. (laughs) And I was so sad. And it wasn't until years later, with the advent of the video store, that I was able to defy the rating systems and age limits and watch Suspiria for myself. And yes, it is the best fucking movie ever made. I was not disappointed at all. Cootie, what was your first experience with Suspiria? <laughs> well, now, I think you know that, because the first time I saw Suspiria was with you. That's right! Yes, that's right. That is what I add to your life. <laughs> and I love you for it. <laughs> uh, we hadn't known each other for very long at that point, and we were both involved in other relationships. Uh, my SOs and I had invited X over for a movie night, and he brought Suspiria for us to watch. Why now, my, Exactly, because you're awesome. <clears throat> Uh, my boyfriend at the time had a projector, so we got to watch it on a pretty large screen with a few close friends. Now, before the night was out, X and I, between the two of us, had killed three bottles of mead. Yep. <laughs> and I think we were the only people in the room that actually really enjoyed the movie. Um, we spent the whole thing making fun of it, but... That's part of the fun for us, anyway, um, as far as watching any kind of movie, really. But before the night was out, Suspiria and X had both planted themselves firmly in my list of favorite things ever. (laughs) Now, there are a lot of aspects to this movie that we want to talk about. We need to talk about the lighting and the direction and the weird characters and the soundtrack and the performances. Okay. (laughs) Ease down, Bucky. (laughs) I know this is your favorite movie ever, but calm down for a second. After we take care of some business, we'll start our appreciation of Suspiria. Back in a bit, kids. Not getting the coverage of TV horror from the other podcasts out there? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast, where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer. Oh my god, you're hearing just about the big screen? Listen to the small screen. Here, on Evil Episodes, Mike, Corey, and Jamie. Man, we're going to make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Jamie, give us some examples. Uh, well, how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead or this this season's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but then not only that, we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural. Holy moly. That sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me. You bet your sweet ass it does. And Jamie, where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff? Well, it's Evil Episodes, of course. That's right, so set your DVR to channel 666 and let Evil Episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be, but isn't talked about elsewhere. Evil Episodes is a podcasting network. Hi, I'm 
I'm Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal. And for the past 40 years, in between barbecuing oxen and roasting boar for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. Ain't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Dr. Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a back. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually, you can find us both watching 80s, 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Dr. Action Kick-Ass. You can find us on our main page, which is dractionkickass.blogspot.com. You can also find these on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hey, where's that baby mama at? I gotta tell you somebody. Okay, we're back, and I am reasonably calm. <laughs> so, let's get into... Dario Argento's Suspiria. Now, we were going to do the whole normal, we're going to synopsize it and tell you the whole thing. Um, two things about that. I think a lot of people have probably already seen this movie, so mm-hmm. there's there's no sense in that. And if you haven't seen this movie, um, you need to rectify that immediately. <laughs> you should have seen this by now. I don't care how old you are. If your parents really loved you, they would have shown this movie to you immediately after birth. (laughs) Well, Suspiria starts when American dance student Susie Banyan decides to further her studies by attending the prestigious Dance Academy in Germany. It's a very rainy night, and she leaves the airport attempting to hail a cab. And... Rain doesn't even begin to cover it. I mean, the fucking sewers are overflowing, and it's pouring. just a pouring, horrible, nasty night. And yet, we still don't get to see Susie's nipples. So, I know, right? Like I'm the, convinced she doesn't have any. It's the amazing waterproof <laughs> bra. Just nothing pops out. Anyway. So, she finally hails a cab after, you know, four or five pass her up. And it is the grouchiest cab driver ever. Tries to tell him where she wants to go like four times, and he keeps saying, huh? 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 Like, he doesn't understand what she's saying. So finally, she shows him her acceptance letter to the academy, and he says, ah, he takes her off. Now, when they get to the school, it's still pouring down fucking rain. And as Susie is getting out of the cab, there is a young lady with long blonde hair wearing a raincoat coming out of the front door, and she stops. And she shouts something, you know, over the storm to someone inside the school that we can't see. And then she closes the door and takes off running. No idea where she's going because, again, it is an extremely rainy night. So, mm-hmm. but this is part of the mystery, dude. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so Susie uses the call box and someone answers and tells her she doesn't know who she is. Go away. And Susie's <laughs> like, well, it's it's pouring down fucking rain and it's the middle of the night. If you could just let me come in, I can explain. And the girl tells her again, no, go away. So Susie uh-huh. has to get back in her cab and and leave. And as the cab driver is taking her back to the main part of town, I assume to get a hotel room, we see the blonde headed girl again, just fucking hauling ass running through the forest in the middle of this rainstorm in rural Germany. And for some reason, Susie doesn't stop and pick her up, which is what I would have done. <laughs> you know, but 
Do you need a ride? Yes. Honey. Are you okay? <laughs> it's after 10 o'clock at night, and it's storming, and you're in the forest in, in the Germany. In the forest of Germany. <laughs> Can I give you a ride? But no, no, Susie doesn't do that. She just kind of eyeballs then. <laughs> the thing about this girl that plays Susie Manuel, what's her name? Jessica Harper. Jessica Harper. The thing about Jessica Harper in this movie, she's got these, she's little bitty. I mean, like 100 pounds soaking wet, if that. She looks like a 12-year-old, just about it. And she's got huge eyes. She does. So she she does a really good job of just looking perplexed and slightly scared through the whole fucking movie. <clears throat> so she she's sitting. She's always on the verge of nausea somehow. <laughs> she gets that look on her face like, am I going to puke? <laughs> yeah, I'm... but not not like Alicia Silverstone nausea. <laughs> she, she doesn't do the, the pursed lips and kind of puffy cheeks thing. She just, her eyeballs get even bigger, if that's possible. Now, here's where Suspiria gets weird, because a, a normal film would follow Susie back to the hotel room. Oh, no, no, no. Our narrative splits off and follows the girl who was running through the forest. Mm -hmm. She's made it into town, and she has gone to the apartment of a friend of hers. And the friend is like, well, what the hell happened? Why did you leave? And the girl's like, oh, I can't tell you. It's just too fucking weird. You'd never believe me. Whatever. <clears throat> the apart the apartment building. It's amazing. I, don't I swear it was designed by M.C. Escher. It's fantastic. There's actually Escher print wallpaper in her apartment. Yeah. <clears throat> but the whole thing is red and green and blue, and it's in these weird kind of Mondrian lines and angles, and it's just, it's gorgeous, but it's difficult to explain. Just like, just like red and green and sharp lines. Yeah. So the design really just is, it's almost overwhelming visually. Mm-hmm. Anyway, chick, uh, blonde-haired chick is in her room drying things off, and she's nervous as all get out because of whatever happened to her at the dance academy. So the so she's she's twitchy. She's standing there looking around like like she's just waiting on something to happen. And the window flies open, and you know she shuts it. But then she's trying to look outside to see if there's anyone outside. And she does this by taking a lamp and holding it closer towards the window, which, you know what? That doesn't work. That doesn't fucking work. That, like, that makes things worse in real life. <laughs> right. So while she's staring out the window trying to see if anything is out there, I guess, that has followed her, she sees a pair of glowing eyes um, just on her field of vision, so like she can't see anything but the glowing eyes. <clears throat> so of course, instead of getting the hell out of there, <laughs> away from the glowing eyes, she leans in closer to the window to see if she can find the rest of the face that the glowing eyes belong to. And that's oh. a very bad idea, <laughs> because the window next to her shatters into a million pieces, and a giant muscular arm reaches in, and grabs her by the back of the head and begins pushing her face into the other window. Seriously, it's a crazy hairy arm, too, like on the verge of fur. 
yeah, it's almost like a bear arm that comes in. Yeah. So, so then we get this great scene of from the outside of that window of her face squished up against it. And her mouth's open and she's screaming and she's all bug eyed. And eventually the arm pushes her face through the glass. <laughs> the window breaks. Yes. She breaks it with her face. <laughs> Meanwhile, her the room the person who owns the apartment, her friend, is like realizing that something very bad is happening in the bedroom, but won't actually go in there. She just bangs on the door. Hey, are you okay? What's going on? Then she starts to freak out and starts running around to the other apartments, banging on the doors, going, "Help! Help! Murder! <laughs> There's a murderer! <laughs> There's a murder! Yeah, and that's going to really like entice someone to open the door." Murder? Really? Oh, come on in. <laughs> Let me invite that into my home. <laughs> I'm bored. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Meanwhile, the killer, whoever he is, Mr. Glowy Eyes, has the blonde girl on the roof of the building. And Which is weird. I don't know how <laughs> it, it, I don't know how she got from the apartment all of a sudden way up there. But yeah. apparently she's tried to get away and the killer has pursued her. And the killer just keeps stabbing her and stabbing her and stabbing her. And there's one shot that is so surreal. You can actually see the knife enter the woman's heart. And he twists the knife just a tad so that when he withdraws it, you can see the heart tissue kind of fluttering with each pump. Uh So it's like pumping air out into, you know, out of, well, it's just pumping air instead of blood. Yeah, it's... (laughs) It's interesting, like yeah, it's like, like the killer ripped away part of her rib cage, and right there's her heart. Yeah, it's like it's like the end of a balloon when you're letting the air out. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not enough. No. Just stabbing a woman in the heart and making her dead is not enough. Um, the killer then takes the main telephone cable for the building and wraps it around the woman's neck in a hangman's noose. Yep. Meanwhile. The woman who owns the apartment has made her way down to the bottom floor. Still screaming murder. Fuck all. I don't know why she's on the bottom floor. I mean, if no one's answered on the other three, no one's going to answer on the bottom. <clears throat> so, But she looks up and there's this giant fucking stained glass ceiling. Crazy bold colors and just weird uh, geometric patterns. It's like a circus cathedral. Yeah. And you hear this glass cracking sound, and the woman on top of the roof, her head just poked through the window just a little bit. And you know bad shit is about to go down. Mm-hmm. So, of course, her body follows her head, and she falls through the opening, and she is hanged by the telephone wire, and it stops you know, very suddenly, just inches from the floor, and all of the the steel and the glass from that stained glass window comes falling down with her. So we not only have all of this shattered stained glass lying on the floor, but now we have blonde girl's friend who owned the apartment lying on the floor with this very precisely <laughs> laid... <laughs> pattern of of like the steel casing and bits of the stained glass through her face and into her arms and partially through her torso and there is that amazing magenta colored italian horror blood all over the floor 
Look, and this is going to sound weird, okay? But guys, this is an amazing kill. It really is. If you've never seen that scene before, holy shit. It is jaw dropping. It's it's mesmerizing in its brutality and it's glorious in the color and the beauty and the structure of it, the choreography. Holy fuck, it's amazing. And I hate saying that about a murder scene. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> watch this bitch die. No, I mean, it's just... It, he made it into art. There's, It is so... Yes, he made yeah. it into art. And this whole movie really makes art out of death. This movie is a fairy tale nightmare, mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous. So anyway, at this point, Susie goes back to the day of school the next day. And this is where we get into kind of the meat of the story. And we need to talk about some of the characters that we meet here. Most of all, we need to talk <laughs> about the students and the dance school. There's some of the most awkward dialogue. I Yeah, I think the yeah. most awkward dialogue through the whole movie occurs between the girls at this dance academy because they and and this is just i read this and this may or may not be true but allegedly in one of the earlier drafts of the script all the girls at the dance school were like anywhere between eight to twelve years old oh and that's why they spoke like that and then as the next drafts came out they were like ah fuck it we'll just leave that dialogue but literally, they talk like they're in third grade to the point where, at one point, they're sticking their tongues out at each other. <laughs> it's really weird because these are all women that are like 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. So, so yeah, the um, when Susie first gets to the school, one of the first things that she does is is goes up to the locker room to um, – find you know where she puts her stuff and to meet the other girls that are there at the academy and um this is where she um kind of first meets uh one of the other main characters in in the story um and that's sarah so we've got Susie and sarah now yes and um she also meets another girl um what was her name olga, olga. or something like that the with the really black hair it's not just black hair um <laughs> Olga's hair looks like a circumcised penis. It really does. It, it takes on like a personality all of its own. She is helmet head. <laughs> so, yeah, she she goes into the locker room and the girls are all kind of bratty and, you know, have really childish dialogue and everybody keeps talking about money. And it's kind of off-putting to Susie, who um, comes across as kind of a little more grounded, a little more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Sensible, maybe. Sensible works, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little more, well, not prissy, but. Yeah, definitely not more prissy. Yeah. But yeah, she's she's got her, she's more grounded in reality, I think is what it is. <clears throat> you know, when you go away to a boarding school or something like that, you tend to get caught up in that atmosphere to where you believe that's the entire world. And right. Susie, having just come in from New York, has a completely different worldview and doesn't understand why she has to do this or has to do that. There's so many different rules, and she kind of bucks against that to an extent. Right. So those are the students that she's dealing with there. Um, there are a couple of male students. Um, one of them uh, kind of is the uh, the headmistress's bitch boy. 
his part <laughs> errand boy. And he's kind of sweet on Susie, and we see some kind of shy exchanges through the movie that never really go anywhere. He just kind of blushes and runs in the opposite direction. <clears throat> but then we also have the teachers, which there are some there are a couple of fantastic characters that work at the school. There's not just the teachers. Um, there's you know the the what is uh, Madame Blanc. Is the is she the headmistress? Is that the right title? Did I say yes, that right? She is okay. the headmistress. <clears throat> so we've got Madame Blanc, who is the headmistress, who always is dressed in these just beautiful, like Jackie O style tea dresses. Very glamorous. You know, very glamorous pearls at her neck. You know, always very done up, lots of makeup, and um, she just has kind of a really commanding presence, and I like her. And then you have um, Mrs. Tanner. Miss Tanner. Yes, Miss Tanner, what? who <laughs> she's like, she's like a German dominatrix. <laughs> she wears these amazing like stripper boots <laughs> through the whole movie. They just have fantastic high heels and a fantastic platform sole, and she's got like horse teeth, man. Teeth. She's got this this crazy smile, and she's constantly showing all of her teeth. Like, she she does not have a resting bitch face. She has, I'm going to stand here with my eyes wide open and show you all my teeth face. Now, Miss Tanner is played by Alita Vallee, whom, if you're a real horror movie geek, you'll remember her from Eyes Without a Face, the French film. So, she's had an interesting life, to say the least. Look her up on fucking Wikipedia. Apparently some weird shit's happened. (laughs) But she is fantastic in this movie. And she is probably the main catalyst for every piece of lesbian subtext in this movie. Serious. Yeah. She's she's, a hard ass. She's a lech. (laughs) She is a fucking lech dominatrix. Just, you know, keep dancing. I don't care if you're dying. Dance! Dance, Uh, little girl! (laughs) She's nuts, and she's one of the best characters in the movie. So those two really are the only um, teachers that we see a lot throughout the film. There's one other one um, that has, like, a few little lines, but we don't ever really see much of her. Uh, then we also have the um, the uh, Romanian guy who looks a bit like Lurch. A lot. Uh, I think he, he pretty much does whatever Madame Blanc tells him to. Um, He brings food to Susie when she's in her room and restricted and can't leave. Um, (laughs) And there's this one great scene on the stairs where Miss Tanner is introducing Susie to this Lurch Butler type character. And she says, he's really ugly, isn't he? It's okay. You can say so. He doesn't speak anything but Romanian. (laughs) And you're just like, eee, okay. And he's also got that horse tooth smile. And Miss Tanner's like, he found that he had gingivitis of the gums. And he had all of his teeth pulled. Now he wears these dentures. His teeth are beautiful. Aren't they? Aren't they beautiful? <laughs> it's just really fucking off-putting and weird. Yeah. So now that we're talking about the stairs, we should really kind of get into the architecture um, of this building. Okay. This is the reddest building in the world. It is. And it's it's odd too though because the majority of the building is that just bright 
not even brick red. It's like fire engine red. Yeah. Um, and then you have like the main foyer of the school. The walls are this just beautiful, soothing, like the most gorgeous water blue color that you can imagine. And they look textured like it's crushed velvet on the walls. So and it's all bright and light and airy. And that's like the the most open and um I guess, welcoming space in the entire school because the majority of the rest of it is very kind of close and very red. And almost almost Spartan. Um, yeah. Not much decoration in the hallways. There's stained glass windows at the end of each hallway, but no pictures on the wall, just very close quarters in the hallways. Very so. dark wood. There's also, like, really weird lighting, like... It just kind of adds to the claustrophobia in some areas. Um, there are spotlights in strange places that are either bright red or a green color. And there's no real explanation as to why there is just red and green lighting throughout the school. Um, you never like see a red spotlight up in the corner or anything. No, it's, just... it's, it's all red, green, and blue. And blue, yeah. And, what, and what's weird is if you if you look at movies that came after Suspiria, you can see where that kind of lighting design impacted other films. If you've seen Creepshow, you have seen the lighting design from Suspiria. Mm-hmm. It's very comic book, very big and blocky. There's not much subtlety or shadow to it Mm -hmm. it's just huge blocks of primary colors and it's just fucking weird yeah well in between that and (laughs) do you want to go ahead and talk about the soundtrack the fucking amazing soundtrack for this movie we can yeah let's blend that in but i want the listeners to hear your amazing theory about the use of color in this movie because here's what here's lighting goes yeah here's what i was thinking (laughs) i was thinking there had to be some kind of some kind of pattern to it, like blue means this, red means this, green means something else, because you'll see that in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a lot of Shyamalan movies have that. This color is danger. This color is calm. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this movie, that is not necessarily the case, is it, Cootie? Well, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, and those are very primal, instinctual things. You know, it's it's kind of ingrained into our DNA. Red is danger. Red is poison. We want to avoid that, you know. So <laughs> the last time that we were watching this together, we were like, there's got to be some kind of pattern here, and we're trying to figure it out. And it occurred to me that there is no pattern other than maybe to use blue you know at times to kind of lull you into a false sense of security and then to use red in situations where you feel like maybe you should be able to have that sense of security so i think that the the weird alternating use of those colors is meant to add to the uneasiness of the entire film it's meant to keep us uncomfortable and keep us from settling in and thinking that we can trust or predict what's going on in the movie. It actually tricks your psyche without you realizing what's going on and yeah. just increases 
the, the fear levels exponentially. Right. So you've got all these fucked up characters. You've got little skinny, you know, 12 year old looking Susie Banyan far away from home. No, I'm sorry. None of the students in this movie have ever menstruated. That's all there is to it. Uh, yeah, I would be sp- yeah. except for maybe Olga. <laughs> maybe she's kind of voluptuous and yeah. kind of foxy, so maybe her. But everybody else, yeah, seriously, stick figures. Serious bulimia going on there. Nipple on a rib, man. Yep. Anyway. So yeah, between that and between you know when you throw in the Goblin soundtrack, <sighs> it's just the whole thing has this surreal, nightmarish quality to it. The soundtrack is terrifying in a couple of different ways. First of all, the main instrument used in the main theme is a Celeste. And if you don't know, a Celeste sounds a lot like a music box. Mm-hmm. It's like a harpsichord on helium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to describe that. <laughs> so that it's got this music box theme that goes through it, but it's also got like this weird kind of I can't remember what he said the instrument was called, but it's almost like a mandolin or a lute. So there's some weird kind of Balkan-sounding strings going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then every once in a while, somebody will just say the word witch. (laughs) And it's almost subliminal. It's a really loud whisper, too. It's just like, witch. (laughs) So you've got the music box. Somebody's whispering witch. You've got the weird strings. Mm -hmm. And... It's so many different influences in the same song. It's jarring and yeah. it's terrifying and it's perfect. Oh fuck! And occasionally you have this sort of um, pseudo discordant operatic vocals going on in the background too, and that just heightens kind of a sense of hysteria. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Argento is doing all this stuff in the back of your mind that you don't notice until you're able to step away from the movie or, like us, see it so many times that you can view it objectively. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it ends up being less of a movie and more of an onslaught. He's trying to fuck you up on every level possible. Mm. And it works. It works, yeah. At least it works for us. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> now, here's the weird thing. Suspiria is actually based on a, another work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's da, da 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 da. Okay, Suspiria is part of a trilogy. It's the first movie in what Argento calls the Three Mothers trilogy, which is actually based on an old work by Thomas De Quincey, which speculates that there are three witches who rule the world from their separate areas and houses throughout the world, and they control everything. So Suspiria is just the first part of that. But I think it's interesting that Argento looked at that and said, oh, yeah, I can make a movie out of that. (laughs) Fuck, what? Okay. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Now, having said all of this great stuff about Suspiria, and we do love it, there are certain things in this movie that absolutely fucking defy logic or sense, and they are um, ridiculous. Just flat out ridiculous there are a handful of kind of campy things too that just make you roll your eyes and go really dario and the one really the one thing that really does it for me other than the kind of crappy unbelievable dialogue between the students is 
there is a scene where um, this is when Susie starts kind of getting paranoid and, and starts wondering what the hell's going on in this school. And there's a scene where she's in her bathroom because, you know, it's a boarding school. She's got her own room. She has a little bathroom off of her bedroom and she's in her bathroom and she's standing in there like wringing her hands, looking around with her eyes all bug eyed like she does. And you start to see a pair of glowing eyes through the bathroom window, again, with the glowing eyes. Now, rather than be like, the fuck is that? I'm getting out of here and leaving her bathroom. Susie goes and opens the fucking window like, I got to see what this is. (laughs) So she opens the window and a bat flies in. Now, this bat... Boys and girls, I have seen some <laughs> shitty movies, okay? This bat, I don't even know. I don't maybe his like little nephew made this bat or something. It barely flaps its wings, but that's understandable because its body is so huge and fat compared to the wings. And this there's this scene where it kind of flaps around and attacks Susie and she's all screaming and swatting at it. And it, he keeps zooming in on the bat's mouth near her face and it's got these little fangs and she's freaked out and her eyes are even bigger than they ever were. And she's swatting at the thing. And finally it flies off and flies into the wall and hits the floor. Now, instead of doing like a real bat would do and folding its wings in and, you know, kind of standing up or doing whatever, it continues to sort of flap its wings and it keeps getting closer and closer to Susie, who is still freaked out and keeps backing away from the thing. And she finally throws a towel or a bathrobe or something over it and just proceeds to pound the shit out of the thing <laughs> with a stool that's in the bathroom so that it's left this big bloody spot in in the robe in the middle of her bathroom floor. And then she leaves the bathroom and shuts the door. <laughs> It's like somebody just stuck some fishing line on a chihuahua. <laughs> so bad. Decided to float it around the room by her head. A chihuahua with little bitty bat wings on it. <laughs> yeah. There's one other scene, and this is a very famous scene, so I kind of hate to make fun of it, but come on. <laughs> it's fantastic, though. It's not nearly as campy as the bat. It's not nearly as campy, but you've really got to suspend your disbelief for it. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous beyond belief. Okay, so Susie's little roommate is trying to figure out exactly where the teachers go at night. Yeah, because that's the big mystery here. Right. So she's trying to follow the teachers to see where they go. Well, she fucks up, and she gets lost, and she ends up being chased by the killer. She runs into this room that has no escape but a very small window at the top of the far wall. But she figures if she can get out through that window, she'll be safe. Mm -hmm. So she stacks like three or four suitcases on top of each other and climbs up and opens up the window and gets into it and prepares to jump. And when she jumps, she realizes that she's only jumping into another room that is filled with razor wire. It's just coils and coils of fucking razor wire piled up in this room. Why the fuck? I mean, why? That's there. It's the purpose. At a dance academy. Now, this is not a prison. You can't tell me there's not a fucking shed somewhere on the property? No. 
it is literally stacked like seven feet deep on the floor. <laughs> so, of course, she gets caught in it, and she's trapped, and she's trying to <laughs> swim through razor wire <laughs> to get out. And it's yeah. horrible. It it's really a horrible is. horrible scene with all the slicing and the screaming and, and all of that. But at, at, at the end of it, you're left going, who the fuck's idea was that? Who decided, oh, the razor wire, we have that much left? Ah, put it upstairs. <laughs> ah, no, don't tie it up or anything. Just leave that shit loose. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Not to mention, how the fuck would you use that after that point? It's all fucking, it's worse than, you know, like a, a skein of yarn that has just lying in a box for a year. It's just, there's there's nothing else you can do with that wire at that point. It's shot. Yeah, you just kind of leave it there for wayward students to fall into. <laughs> maybe that's the whole point. I think maybe, maybe that's it. We told you not to go exploring, <laughs> bitch. So anyway, yeah, there's stuff like that that's just like, what? Real? What the fuck? But also, the argument can be made, and I'm making it, that those are some of the elements that make Suspiria feel like an absolutely inescapable nightmare. Mm-hmm. There are there are a lot of dreamlike elements to the film. There's yeah. one scene where one of the one of the plot points is that Susie gets sick. She becomes very ill and weak and could no longer dance. And the point in time in the film where she gets sick is when she's walking down the hall, and one of the very heavily mustachioed women who work in the kitchen. One of the kitchen trolls. Yeah, one of the kitchen trolls is sitting uh-huh. in the is sitting in the hallway with um with the headmistress's cousin, Alfred, who's like her nephew. Her nephew. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the the kitchen troll is polishing a knife or something like that, something very shiny. And the sun catches it, and it glints, and it glints into the camera, and it glints into Susie's face, and she can't get the light out of her eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's then, like a whiteout for a second. Right. And then when the troll moves whatever she was polishing, from that point on, Susie is just fucked up. Mm-hmm. So that light and that object somehow have cursed Susie. And then she starts getting nosebleeds, and her mouth starts bleeding, and she faints a lot. And it's really weird. It's it's again back to the fairy tale element of it. It's almost like she bit the poison apple. Yeah. Well, and that scene is really cool too because she's walking down a hallway, and this is one of the rare times in the movie where it's actually very well lit. Like there's a lot of sunlight coming through, and you can actually see like little dust particles floating through the, the sunlit room. And she's walking kind of slowly, and it, you know, she sees the, the kitchen troll and little Alfred who just looks straight up like one of the kids out of Village of the Damned. He does. Oh, and, shit, he does. You know, only in his little lederhosen um, traditional German dress, <clears throat> his little, you know, short pants and stuff standing there. And they're just sitting there staring at her as she's walking down this hallway. And the feeling of unease and nervousness just escalates up until that point where the light glints and, you know, you hear Goblin go, witch! And then all of a sudden Susie is feeling really woozy and faint and can hardly stand up. And then after that, the light kind of dies down in the hallway and and she stumbles on and goes on to her next class. It's a fantastic scene. It's a great shot. And it's one of those things that just, 
makes this movie the one of the not one of the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I just uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it. Suspiria works on its own logic level, mm-hmm. and it never goes outside of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's grounded in reality only to a certain degree, to where there are cars and telephones and things like that, modern conveniences, but everything else feels almost wooden cabin stripped down. Mm-hmm. Like Hans Christian Andersen. Like Hans Christian Andersen or like Hansel and Gretel. Um, yeah. Very Brothers Grimm to me. Just mm-hmm. You're not going to have a happy ending here, no matter how hard you try. Yeah. Well, that's good. You want to leave it right here? Let's Let's leave it there, because if I haven't enticed you to watch this movie yet, well, I guess I'm not done. So but we're going to leave it right there for now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have the three questions. We'll do drinking with the devil and your listener questions on Ask the Goat. All of this right after the break. Woohoo break. Do you like movies? Do you like beards? Do you bathe in raw meat? Do you dance under the fiery sky of Ra, daisies threaded through your man chest vein? Foolish question. Yes, we all do. But do you do it listening to the podcast from the After Movie Diner? If not, then you're missing out, and you may or may not spend eternity in insufferable torment wedged between Simon Cowell and Piers Morgan in an elevator that smells of death. The After Movie Diner is a website dedicated to movies. New, old, large, small, and of every genre. There are written reviews, interviews with the famous and interesting, and a weekly podcast with comedy, reviews, interviews, a variety of fascinating and flatulent co-hosts, and music to tap your toe to. So why aren't you on board? Get there or miss out on the podcasting sensation of a generation, one that feels like being slightly tongued by an over-enthusiastic cocker spaniel. Find us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and over at AfterMovieDiner.com. Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons? And body counts. Mathematics of murder and menace. The BBNBC podcast discusses lesser-known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. Welcome back to Kiss the Goats. It's time to put Suspiria to the test. Throw it in the river! If it drowns, it's innocent. (laughs) Not that kind of test, you goober. It's time for the three questions. Hooray! (laughs) So, question number one. Why should our listeners watch Suspiria? Or should they? Because it's the best fucking movie ever made. (laughs) All right, well, other than just taking your word for it... Do you have some more um, succinct points that might guide our listeners? Um, If you are interested at all in Italian horror, and you should be, 
because during the late 70s up to the end of the 80s, they were making probably the best horror movies on the planet. And that's a big that's a big statement, you know, because Americans were doing some good stuff at the time, too. Um, Carpenter was doing some of his best work during the 80s. But the Italians really just were nailing it right then. So this is a fantastic entrance point into the world of Italian horror. From here, you can go on to Giallo, which or Gialli, which you totally should, mm-hmm. and start getting into like Lucio Fulci, uh, Sergio Martino, uh, fucking Ruggiero Diodato. I mean, just all Bava. of these. Yeah, yeah, Mario Bava, Lamberto Bava, for that matter. All mm-hmm. of these, Michelle Suave, <clears throat> these fantastic directors that if they're not part of your film uh, knowledge yet, you've really got to do some research. And Suspiria is a great launching point to see if you're even going to like this style. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's it's a bit jarring for American audiences to begin with because all of the dialogue is dubbed. The Italians do not record sound on scene. They go back and loop it in later. They just always do that. The Westerns do that. The cop movies do that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's... It's a bit of a. It, it takes a bit of getting used to, but if you can make it through Suspiria and you dig it, there's a whole huge universe of Italian horror movies waiting for you, and that is a rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. You know, Suspiria was my first taste of Italian horror, and it just it fueled the fire, man. Once I saw that movie, I was like, "Fucking hell! What else have these people done?" Because that was amazing. And it just, it really did open a whole new avenue, a whole new door for me. Um, and I, I love it. Love it. It's, it's unique. Question number two. On a scale of one to Ozzy, how many devil horns do you give Suspiria? <laughs> Dude, this movie for me is just a straight up six horns high. Hell yeah. Yeah. If this movie had a clitoris... I would lick it slowly and gently until its eyes rolled back in its forehead and it had to slap me in the ear to make me stop. Full on six horns. Well, all right, then. <laughs> Finally, is Suspiria a witch movie? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Absolutely, because they are surrounded by witches. Straight witches, up. Witches everywhere and not a drop to drink. <laughs> Well, and we didn't really delve into that too much, but yeah, there is this school is infested by witches, and the entire plot it revolves around Susie Banyan trying to figure out the mystery of the witch coven, and we get a really cool little cameo um, where uh, Udo Kier shows up for about oh, a five-minute no! segment. <laughs> And an amazing lime green sport jacket, and his hair is feathered, and he's so young. And, and here's the best part about that is remember, I told you they do all their sound later. You can tell the wind is blowing like crazy because they keep getting their hair in their face. You never fucking hear it. Never hear them. You no. never hear it. It's just like, what's wrong with their heads? <laughs> this must be witch magic. <laughs> Must be the occult. Exactly. (laughs) All right. There it is, Acolytes. Suspiria receiving some pretty high marks and a solid recommendation from us. We like it. 
not quite as much as we like to drink. But when you put the two together, you get our newest segment, Drinking with the Devil. Woohoo! It's one thing to drink through a movie. It's another thing to drink with a movie. That's what the cool kids do, as long as they're of legal drinking age in the community in which they reside. And if you want to be like Auntie X and Uncle Cootie, here's your drinking game for Suspiria. Drink whenever you see Miss Tanner's teeth. Drink whenever Susie passes out or feels weak. Drink whenever Susie looks confused. <laughs> she often looks confused. <laughs> Drink whenever someone says the word Iris. Iris. And finally, for our advanced players, the grand challenge for Suspiria is drink when you hear the word witch on the soundtrack. As always, let us remind you that we do not condone underage drinking or alcohol abuse, but they've, they've always, always worked for, for us. us. All right. Well, let's dip our hooves into the mailbag here. You ask it, we answer it, like it or not. It's time for Ask the Goat. Let's see who has sent in parchments this week. Cindy Fallon has a two-part question this week. So, demon rape, yay or nay? What? And that goes along with, if an incubus gives you his actual name after several encounters, have you progressed from victim to dating? Um, like, uh... <laughs> I don't condone rape. Period. I don't. Well, yeah, I don't condone rape either because that is an act of violence and an act of control. So I don't care if it's a demon or a frat boy. It's still incredibly wrong. So I can't condone demon rape. However, if an incubus gives you his actual name after several encounters, he's still lying to you because he's a demon. And an incubus is not going to give you his real name because then you'll be able to have control over him. And if that happens, you know, you'll be able to do stuff like make him watch like two entire seasons of Friends or <laughs> make him do the dishes or pet your cat. Your, See, all yeah. of those things sound great to me. <sighs> That's why I haven't told you my real name. Uh. Anyway, next, Mark Schofield wants to know, why is the devil in human guise always depicted as a middle-aged white man? Where's the black Satan? Where's a she-devil? Where's the orthodox Jew devil? <laughs> well, I have seen a black Satan and I have seen a she-devil. The orthodox Jew devil, though? I have seen that also. Have you? I have. All right, then. There you go, Schofield. So, yeah, I mean, let's see. Black Satan would have been Bill Cosby and the Devil and Max Devlin. Mm-hmm. She-Devil was Roseanne Barr. <laughs> and the Orthodox Jew Devil um, would be in that movie, The Possession, where they have the Dybbuk in the box. Nice. That movie with uh, Matis Yahoo as yeah. a Jewish exorcist. Yeah. <clears throat> Actually, I think I liked that movie a lot more than you did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, okay. I was like, Ugh, whatever. <laughs> Finally, Gary Hill wants to know, how does the devil take his peanut butter and jelly? Crusts on or off? I think the devil's probably a crusts on kind of guy. I think the devil uses nothing but heels. <laughs> You're probably right. Full on crust. Full on crust. <laughs> Absolutely. Also, I know somebody left us a question somewhere on a thread, and fuck all if I can find it now, asking about our favorite devil movie. And if you're the one who left us that question, dude, I'm sorry. 
tell you what, we send it to our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat. Join our group. Join us. You can also send us secret messages to our email, which is thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. You can visit our website, too, if you want to see pictures of us and take a look through the Kiss the Goat shop. T-shirts, bumper stickers, and, of course, flasks. <laughs> That's a Kiss the do- Kiss the Dote. That's a Kiss the Goat dot Weebly dot com. <laughs> and can we get a woot woot on the iTunes? We'd love it if you would leave us a big, shiny five-star review on there. People seem to pay attention to those things, and frankly, we want attention. Just look us up in the iTunes store and start professing your undying love for us. Thanks to Horrorphilia for putting up with us, and thanks to you, our acolytes, for shoving us into your ear holes each episode. Like those bugs Khan put on Chekhov's face in Star Trek II, they crawled over his cheek, and up into his ear, and then they'd wrap themselves around his serene little vortex. You get excited about the weirdest shit. Do I? No, I like it too. <laughs> well, until next time, my name is X. And I'm Cootie. Hail Satan! city government took down the statue just hours after its appearance. And people are pissed. Pissed. <laughs> people are pissed. Jesus. <laughs> people are pissed. <laughs> they, are, they are prissy and prissed. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I think I'll have another <laughs> drink. Hang on. <laughs> you just want to pick up back at the beginning of that segment. <laughs> mm.